Let's recap for a moment. Can we do that? Trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. And most of us have experienced some form of trauma in our lives. Would you agree? Yes. When I went through my trauma in the last year, I was drawn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, which says this, the Apostle Paul said this. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Now, we can't take this as everyone's going to be in the same position as Paul, but there's some things we can learn from what Paul's going through in relation to our trauma. Sometimes we go through trauma because there's things that God knows about us that we don't know. Amen. Bad things. Like God could do something great in your life, but you'd be so lifted up with pride that you, what comes after great pride? Great fall. So God might actually be saving you from a great fall by putting, having you experience some trauma. Amen. I'm glad you're here today. I want to preach some happy, happy, joy, joy messages one of these days. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul knew, God knew that Paul would become conceited because of the great experience that he was going to have with God. And so God gave him a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass him. Something to tell him, you're not as good as you think you are. You can't do this without me. You ever have that trauma? The realization that you can't do it without God. In fact, most of you are in church today because at some point in time you couldn't do it without God and you came looking for God in here. Amen? Praise God for the trauma. Or the drama, whatever you want to call it. Paul said, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. You ever been in that position where you go through trauma and you just say, God, take this away from me. I don't want to experience this. I don't, I don't like this. You know, it's okay if you put my spouse through this, but don't put me through it. <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding you. I've experienced back pain that my wife experienced years ago that I didn't understand what her pain was about. I just thought she was whining. <laughs> she knows better than that. But I'd feel some pain and she'd say, yeah, I told you about that 10 years ago. But he said to me, speaking of Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I'll boast the more gladly of all my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'll take on the trauma. I'll take on the problems. I'll take on the issues. As long as because of it, the power of Christ is resting on me. God is glorified in my trauma. As long as God is recognized in what I'm going through, if that's the purpose, the sole purpose of my trauma is that God is glorified, bring it on. That always sounds much better when you preach it than when you read it and you're experiencing it in your life. My ta trauma taught me the truth about me and about God. We talked about how trauma is a bitterness of complaint against the pain of adversity. There's that mo moment of lament where you question God and you question yourself and you question why. Have you been there? This leads us to lament. 
to say to God, I didn't know you the way that I thought I knew you. I didn't think that this is the way that you would do things. I thought that once I got saved, everything was going to be bunnies and blueberries. (laughs) Come on, didn't you think that? And then something happens and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, where's this God that's supposed to make me rich and famous and good looking? Obviously, it hasn't worked with me yet. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you I'm good looking. It led us to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with God and to be honest about both. The Apostle Paul had to realize that he was going to become prideful, that there was sin in his life that he couldn't see without the trauma. And we learned that it's not a sin to lament, but lament becomes sin when you live there. It's not healthy to dwell on or in a suffering experience. Like if, if you experience trauma as a child and you're still experiencing trauma today, that's no way to live. It may have been great trauma, and I'm, I'm sorry for that, but it's not healthy to be an adult and live in the trauma of a child. And I'm not saying just get over it. I did not say that last week at all. So whoever told you that, or pray about it, or read your Bible more about it, or go to church more, or give more money, that one works every time, I'm just telling you. It's a joke. You guys... (laughs) Okay, I'm starting to have fun, and you guys are going the other direction. (laughs) To dwell in bitterness makes you fragile, continually broken. So the thing that broke you whenever it happened, if you're still dwelling in it, the trauma, it just keeps breaking you. Every time you think about it, every time you see somebody in reference to that trauma that you experienced, it just puts you back into that trauma all over again. And you start lamenting again, and you start lamenting again, and you start lamenting again. But it never alleviates the pain of adversity. In fact, lamenting, living in lament makes, makes you another, gives you another adversary. It's another enemy. Because I cry and I cry and I cry to God, but I get no answers. I get no help from the Lord. I, the best way I can describe it is like eating sweets. It's great for dessert, but you can't eat it for dinner every day. Not and be healthy. You can have diabetes. See, like the Apostle Paul, Paul lamented to God about his painful condition, and we can see that that lament ended and when that lament ended, he began to live a triumphant life over the, over the lament, over the trauma. This did not change his adversary. In fact, Paul still had the problem that he had, what I believe was an issue with his eyes. He still had that problem after this transformation. But what did change wasn't his adversary, but what changed was his attitude. Have you ever recognized that sometimes your trauma has caused you to be negative? Your trauma has caused you to be nasty, defensive, angry. See, you need that transformation. See, what happened to Paul made the trial that he was experiencing bearable, understandable. See, I think 
we often ask for God to take the trauma away instead of realizing that maybe this trauma is good for us. <laughs> Easier said than done, huh? See, this is where we go from trauma becoming truth and trauma becoming triumph. See, we can, we can look at the trauma and we can experience truth out of that. It can become truth to us. We can learn some things about us that we're not as strong as we thought we were and God's not what we thought he was. But it never leads us to triumph. We never get victory over our trauma. We just keep living in it. So we're going to go back to Lamentations chapter 3 and we're going to gain some insight into this trauma transfer. Because that's the goal of, 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 of God is to transfer our trauma into truth but also to tra transfer it into triumph. He wants us to live in victory. Remember last time, last week, we were sitting in the dirt. We just wanted to lament. We just wanted to cry our hearts out to God and we just wanted to be honest with ourselves and we wanted to be honest with Him and we wanted to be honest about Him and ourselves. And some of you, hopefully, have spent some time this week lamenting. If you haven't, you're still in the, in the, in the pain part of the trauma. We ended with Lamentations chapter 3 and verses 19 through 21, which we're going to read. And this is important because this is, this is where the trauma transferred for Jeremiah. Verse 19 says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness and the pain, the poison. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. That's sitting in the dirt. That's lamenting. It's okay to lament. It's okay to cry your heart out to God. It's okay to say, I don't understand. It's okay to be in afflictions and wandering around trying to find peace. But then it says this. Verse 21, but this I call the mind, and therefore I have hope. Remember before Jeremiah didn't have any hope. He thought the trauma was what, where his life was stuck. He wasn't going to get out of this problem. It was going to always be there. It just seemed like it was never going to go away. And he remembered the pain. He remembered the, the problems, and he lamented those things. But then there is a transition. This I call to mind. See, in a moment he is reminded of something else. Something or someone reminded him of something about God that he never saw before. Something came to mind. Where there was no hope, suddenly we began to feel something we haven't felt in a long time. Just, just a glimmer of hope. Have you ever just had a glimmer of hope? And notice how it changes everything. Like just, just a glimmer, just a, a little bit of light in a dark place. And you, get, you realize that I can get to there. I can get through there. See, something begins to speak deep within us. When we're hopeless to give us hope. How does Jeremiah say it? But this I call to mind. What did he call to mind? That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. All of a sudden he began to be reminded that God actually is love. 
See, when he stopped lamenting and he started listening to the voice that was inside of him, he realized that God isn't what he thought God was. God was always love. God's always been love. God will always be love. His steadfast love never ceases. It never ends. It never stops, no matter what you've done. His love is always there for you. It's, un, it's undeniable. His mercy or his grace has always been there. God's always been merciful to me. He's always been better to me than I thought. He's cared for me no matter what I'm going through. That comes from inside. He also said, but this I call to mind, that they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This unceasing love is renewed every day. Every morning he wakes up, he's gotten another opportunity for hope. It's not once every seven days, it's once a day for seven days. Where he's reminded there's a, a voice inside of him, there's someone inside of him speaking truth about God, and he, and he says... Every morning, God is faithful. 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 And then you go through your day, and that day sucks. And you go to sleep, and you try to sleep, and you can barely sleep, but you wake up in the morning and say, God's still faithful to me. God hasn't left. God is still there. God is still with me. God is still right here with me, loving me, caring for me, comforting me, strengthening me. And it's the idea that maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day the trauma will end. Maybe today's the day I'll get hope. Maybe today's the day I'll get victory. Maybe today's the day. See, some of you have lost that. You've lost the voice that's inside of you telling you, maybe today's the day that God will heal you. Maybe today's the day that will give you peace. Maybe today's the day But this I call to mind. He was reminded. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Remember in Lamentations 3 early on where he said, I have no hope. Suddenly something, something or someone's speaking to him and saying, you always have hope. See, this is my life, this, this, this Lord being my portion, this is the, the life that was allotted to me, meaning that the trauma that you're experiencing might be the life that God has given you. See, we don't like that because that's not the way we want to view God. We want to view God as the, as the, the Santa Claus of life. He's always cheery and he's got his, his face stuffed with cookies. When was the last time your soul said to you, my truth is I belong to him and he belongs to me. He's my God. He's my savior. He's my Lord. Therefore, my hope is not just in healing or in help, but my hope is that God is with me. His presence is what I'm looking for. But this I call to mind, Jeremiah said, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke of his youth. When was the last time in your trauma you said, this is good? 
This is good. This is a good thing for me. This is the good life for me. What if the pain of your adversity is good for you? What if it's good for you? See, there's something about you you don't know that God knows and he's trying to save you from it. What if it's good for you? Well, I don't like it. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's whether you accept that he's doing something good for you. It's good to wait on God and seek him diligently. Do you know that most of the time we don't even seek God unless we have to wait on God? If you don't need God, you don't go to God. That was the children of Israel's problem is they were worshiping false gods because they didn't need God. God had given them everything that they ever had. They were rich. They were comfortable. Maybe it's good for you to seek God diligently. Maybe you need to be put in a position where you're forced to pray. Where you have to pray. Where you have to beg God. Where you have to seek his face. Adversity will do that. It'll make you seek God in ways that you've never sought God before. I've cried out in the middle of the night in my trauma in ways that I never cried out in the middle of the night when I didn't have the trauma. What if it's good to wait quietly for God to save you from your situation? What if it's good to not whine? What if it's good that at some point in time the lament stops and you start looking for God's presence? What if that's good? What if it's good that the trauma happens when you're strong enough to handle it? And you say, well, I'm not strong enough to handle it. Yes, you are. If God puts you through it, it's because he believes you can handle it. And he's trying to teach you something about yourself and about himself. He's trying to teach you there's some things that you can't see that he can see. What if you're stronger than you think? Well, how do you know how strong you are until you, you, you experience some kind of trauma? You can say, I'm strong, but you don't got any problems. So you can easily be as strong as you want to be when you don't have any problems. Bring the problems on. We'll find out just how strong you really are. See, God, God believes in us more than we believe in him. these things were being recalled to his mind. But how do I submit to that? Because pain never feels good. Prayer without answers never seems sensible. Have you noticed that you don't pray when God doesn't give you the answer right away? Amen? How weak your prayer life is when you have no problems? Okay, I feel really alone. I'm gonna try to kneel down and get a drink of water so... I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right back. It just takes me a little bit longer. Have you realized that the problems of your youth never seem fair, especially if you're innocent? But you've been able to heal in ways that when you're older it would be really hard to get over? See, the strongest we are is when we're youngest. But we don't like that. So what did Jeremiah do to rectify this feeling? Because I'm, 
I struggled with this. I'm just being honest with you. I struggled with this transition, this transfer from trauma to triumph. Because I wanted to live in lament. I wanted to feel bad for myself. I wanted to feel bad about my situation. I wanted to complain. I just wanted to complain to God. I wanted to blame everybody for why I was in this situation. It was somebody else's sin. Couldn't have been mine because I'm like Job. Which would suck. See, Jeremiah gives some instructions on how to rectify this feeling. And it's Jeremiah chapter, or Lamentations chapter 3, verse 28. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him, when the trauma is laid on you. Let him sit alone in silence. Silence in this moment signifies the acceptance of God's will and refusing to complain about it to man. There's a point, if you're going to heal from the trauma, if you're going to get victory over the trauma, if you're going to get triumphed over the trauma, you're going to have to accept that, you know, it just might be God's will for you to experience what you've experienced. What if, like Paul, God wants to download great truth, but God knows you'll be lifted up with pride, which will lead you to a more significant fall? Silence says, I'm just going to accept God's will. This is, this is what God wants for me. I'm just going to live in it and try to survive every day. I know that every day is great. His mercy is renewed every day. Talking to, or talking about Katie, pause, P-A-Z, by the way, when you write that check. My trauma was nothing compared to her trauma. My trauma to a degree has ended. Her trauma is still continuing on. Do you know that you could experience your trauma without God's steadfast love and care? You could be going through this horrible trauma without God's presence in your life. You could be going alone. You must accept that whatever you're going through might just be God's best life for you. Because if you've surrendered your life to him, he'll probably use your life to glorify him, not you. What if he wants you to know him in ways that would never happen without the trauma? I hear people say it all the time, I wanna know God, great. Surrender your life to him and let him use your life however he wants to use it. Whatever it takes to glorify his name. It might be that he takes you through some trauma. Well, I didn't sign up for that. No, when you surrender, you signed up for whatever. I remember being at the altar as a 28-year-old man saying, God, I'll give you my whole life, everything. you'll You'll have everything. And I didn't expect him to put me through what he put me through. I thought that meant that I was going to get all the blessings of God and all the joy of God and all the peace of God. But you know, you only need peace and joy when you're joyless and peaceless. We think it's the absence of problems. What if your life will glorify God in a way that without the trauma people will never see the truth of God. 
See, you can't live in lament. At some point, you've got to surrender either to the pain of the problems or to God's will. This is a time of reflection. And I'm, are you willing to surrender your life to God even if it causes you to suffer? I know, this is not the way you've heard about Jesus in American Christianity. But it's the truth about God. Second thing, triumph, triumph over trauma comes when you stop becoming slaves to the trauma and become servants of God. Some of you have just become a slave to the trauma that you've experienced. And you've been depressed and you've been discouraged and you've been doubtful. And you live in this place of lament. Lamentations 3.29, the writer says, let him put his mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope. Jeremiah chose to stop lamenting and hold his tongue. Instead of speaking more lament, he put his mouth to the dirt. Implying that I'm not going to become a slave to the trauma. I'm not going to let the trauma be my voice. Because there yet may be hope. There was a voice inside of him saying, yet there still may be hope. Even after years of, of, of difficulty, Jeremiah still believed, yet there still may be hope. When was the last time you said that? There still may be hope. There still may be hope. There still may be hope. I know what I've experienced. I know how long it's taken. I know the trauma that I've been in. But there still may be hope. There still may be hope. Because with God, there's always hope. He stopped trying to stop the trauma and surrendered his life to God. He became a servant of God. God, here's my life. Yes, I've surrendered my life to you, and now I'm going to use my trauma as a way to serve you. I want people to see the truth of who you are through what I'm going through. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him, and let him be filled with insults. Why is that important? Because as a servant of God, as somebody who surrendered to God, it's no different than Jesus Christ. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ? Let me just read a passage of scripture to you. And he, speaking of Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, here's his lament. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. I don't like this. I I know what I'm coming up to. I don't like it. But here's the triumph. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, even Jesus went from lament to triumph over his trauma. He knew what he was going to face. He knew what he was going to experience. He knew how bad it was going to be. Yet he still surrendered himself to God's will. And if he wouldn't have surrendered himself to God's will, we would not have a reason to gather together today other than for a good time, which none of us are having today. (laughs) See, this is no different than how Paul surrendered his life to God for us. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul surrendered to God's will and said, therefore I boast more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, it's not about me, it's about Christ who's in me. 
See, here's the truth about trauma. And I love this passage of scripture and you should underline it in Lamentations chapter three in your Bible. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Whatever trauma you've experienced, it's not intended to be all your life. It may seem like it, but it's not intended to be. But though he caused grief, though he, remember that's the lament that God put me in this position? But though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This is huge. Verse 33. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. God doesn't do this because he hates you. Because he wants to hurt you. Because he wants you to know him and experience him. He wants to help you. See, I've learned in the midst of trauma, it seems like God's distant. I can lament like the best of them. Where is God? Why is God doing this? Why am I experiencing this? Look at, look at what you're putting me through. But you know what I've learned about this? This remembrance, this thing recalled to the mind? That God is so close in the midst of trauma. God is so close that you can hear his voice clearly. And see, I can preach this truth all day long and make you depressed and leave this place and say, I don't want anything to do with God. But there's a crucial aspect that will give you the triumph over your trauma. My struggle with 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was answered when I realized it wasn't just what Jesus said to Paul amidst the trauma. It wasn't just that Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was that Jesus in the midst of Paul's experience was so close to Paul that Paul could hear his voice specifically speaking to him. It wasn't a word from a preacher. It wasn't a word... Uh, from some teacher, it was a word from Jesus himself speaking the truth of God's word to Paul. See, it was enough for Paul to be reminded by the Holy Spirit that because of Jesus Christ, God was in Paul. See, I think we've minimized that over the years. See, God had a reason for inflicting trauma on his people, which was simple. He wanted them to be closer to him. We're told by the psalmist some powerful words. I'm going to read a psalm real quick. Psalm 34, 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off their memory from the earth. You don't want God to be against you. Amen. Trauma sucks enough without having God be against you in it. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now, wait a minute. That means we're not going to have any troubles. No, that's not what it says. It says when they cry for help, meaning that you're in a position to where you're in trauma and you need God's help. He'll deliver you from the trauma when you call out to him, but you've got to experience the trauma first. 
I do not know how well this is going over today. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's not, listen, he's near to the brokenhearted. I mean, your heart has to be broken. And saves the crushed in spirit. You got to be crushed. Many of the afflictions of the righteous. Yeehaw! <laughs> but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But that means you got to experience the affliction. But I've done things right. So did Job. And he lost everything in one day. Everything but the wife that said, why don't you just curse God and die? I know he was thinking, why didn't you take her too, Lord? Isn't that what you do when you're in trauma? Take down the one person who's still with you. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. By the way, this is speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in the midst of this. And I'll prove that in a minute. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those that hate the righteous will be condemned. See, in this passage, there's a difference between, there's two kinds of people. There's, they both go through trauma. They both experience trauma in their life. One goes through it with God against them. One goes through it with God with them. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Listen, there's a difference between sinners and saints when we go through trauma. There's a difference between those who are God's children and those who are not God's children. There is a difference between the saved and the lost. We all go through trauma. Every one of us will experience trauma. You're not going to be exempt from trauma because you're a believer. But I'd rather be on the side of God than the side against God. See, I can prove this in one word in Lamentations 3.19 verse 20 and end in verse 21. The transition between lament and triumph to triumph. Someone reminds Jeremiah that God is close. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in the shift from lament to triumph, someone reminds Paul that God is near. It was Jesus Christ himself. There was a conversation that was inside of him that reminded him of what God said, what God's word was true, what was true about God's word. Jesus said this in John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. There's a difference between the saved and the lost. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him and can't hear him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be where? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You go to verse 26 in the same chapter. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance 
All that I have said unto you, he'll bring to remembrance who God is, the character of God, the truth about God in the midst of your trauma and the trial. How do we know this is about trauma? Because he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. What's the peace? The presence of God indwelling us. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have the presence of God within you. You do not know him and you cannot feel him and you cannot hear him and you cannot see him. In your trauma, you'll be like an orphan that God has left and you'll never find hope in God. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been reconciled to God through the shedding, shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that reconciliation, in that reconciliation in the relationship because of the blood of Jesus Christ which was shed for our sins, the Spirit of God indwells us. We've been restored back into God. We've been reconciled to God. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you. And when you go through trauma like Jeremiah and you sit in the dirt and lament and like Paul, you passionately play three times for it to leave you, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth about who God is in the midst of our trauma. The problem is sometimes we quench the Spirit of God, the voice of the Spirit of God in our trauma. And we grieve the Spirit of God as He's trying to speak truth to us about God. And so you can't hear the Holy Spirit's voice in your trauma because you're so busy lamenting and talking that you don't start surrendering and shutting up and just giving your life to God and then listen for the voice of the Spirit of God that's indwelling you to tell you the truth of who God really is. See, the Holy Spirit reminds us that the presence of God is all we need no matter what we're experiencing. It's never more deeply experienced nor more meaningful voice than when we're in the pain of adversity. I hear people say it all the time. Well, I hear the Holy Spirit said this, the Holy Spirit said this. You want to know when you really hear the Holy Spirit when you're in the midst of trauma? When you're hurting and you're struggling and, struggling and you're suffering. Because most of the time, we don't need God. Most of the time, we don't actively pursue God. We talk about it. We act like we do. Trauma brings a whole different truth to us. It's okay to lament, to lament. Thank you. See, we need to be reminded that God is good, that his grace is sufficient, that God's power is made perfect through our weakness. It's in our weakness that God becomes glorified. It's in our weakness that God becomes strong. It's in our weakness that God becomes God. It's not in your strength. And the trauma is trying to teach you that it's not in your strength that you glorify God. It's in your weakness. So Paul said, I'll boast of my infirmities 
Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'd brag on the fact that I'm going through trauma. I'm, I'll brag on the fact that I've experienced these things, not to glorify myself, but to glorify God, because I'm still alive and I'm still living and I'm still kicking. And I'm still believing in God and I'm still serving the king. See, the purpose then of my trauma is to be reminded of the truth that God who indwells me is greater than any bit, any bit of my pain or any of my problems. Is God greater who's in you than he that is in the world? Is he greater than you yourself? Then why not surrender your life to the trauma and give him glory in it and say, listen, I'm going through trauma. Want to join me? This is good. Yeah, I realize I'm not what I thought I was and I'm not strong like I thought I was, but he's strong in me. Listen to the Spirit of God speak the truth of the Word of God to your life. Say that even though I'm in this difficult time, God's still good and God's still there and I got a new chance and I still hope in God. He's not far from us if we're believers in Jesus Christ. He's in us. And every morning when I've settled my mind and settled my heart, I get to hear from him again and be reminded that he's right there to love me through my trauma. The world blames God for their trauma. We boast. Look at how God's used me. I didn't think this was going to go over as well as most of them. I want to know, what's your boast about God today? What's he put you through that's brought glory to him, that you're still standing, that you're still worshiping, that you're still serving, that you're still loving God? What's your boast? Not about yourself. We have nothing to boast in ourselves. We didn't save ourselves, we can't save ourselves. It's by grace that we save through faith and, faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But some of you can boast about how God gave you victory in your life. Some of you can boast that God is giving you victory in your life and you're going through the trauma right now. But the Spirit of God is inside of you telling you the truth about God and you're, you're holding on to that just like Jeremiah did and just like Paul did. See, even in my trauma, God was there every moment of every day because he indwells me. And I was reminded that God was good. And I was reminded that God gives hope. And I was reminded of how afraid of death I really am. Then I'm not as strong as I thought I was. It's easy to say when I die I'm going to heaven, praise God, because of Jesus Christ, not because of any goodness in me. But I didn't want to die. I have an eight-year-old granddaughter. I want to watch her get married when she's 25. <laughs> I want to live the rest of my, I want to live years with this woman. I've only been married 37 years for her. I, I got another 37 in me. She's easy to be married to. I'm the pain. I'm the trauma for her. I'm the one that helps her hear from God. I am her infirmity. 
I was reminded about how fearful I was that this trauma was never going to end, that I, I'll just be honest with you, I never thought I was going to get off of that stupid stool. I hate that thing. It should be thrown away. Where is it? Honestly, what I, what I learned in my trauma is I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I thought I was stronger than that, and I realized that when I'm weak, he is strong. And that didn't come from some quote off the internet. That came from the Holy Spirit reminding me that's what the scripture teaches. See, I was also reminded that if my trauma brought glory to God, I'd surrender my life to his again. That if it is God's will that I stammer and stutter and sit when worship is happening because I can't stand very long and my stupid arm shakes, I could point out all my faults. There's a whole lot more of it. You already know them, so. But what if God's glorified in it? What if in my weakness he's made strong? What if in my weakness he's glorified? What if in my weakness, what if in my trauma, what if in my trial, what if in my tribulation, people get to see that I don't give up, not because of my strength, but because of his. See, in my trauma, I was reminded that greater is he who is in me than me. Not than he that is in the world, that he's greater than me. See, sometimes we get stuck and we don't experience victory because we're stuck in victimhood. God's trying to free you from that. So what if? Your trauma only opens you up to hear the voice of God clearly. Not some random word, but the truth of what God says about himself. What if part of your victory is to boast of your pain, but that you haven't quit on God yet? What if your trauma is your triumph? What if the greatest victory is you learned about who God is and you learned about who God is in you? And your faith in your trauma teaches people that they can trust God. We're not going to sit in the dirt today because you should have done that last week. What you need to do is boast. Not of your goodness, but of his. I think now is a great time to stand. How would you boast of God? How would you boast to God? How would you, what would you say to God? God, I experienced this trauma when I was a child. I experienced this trauma when I was... God, thank you for the trauma. I know you didn't come here to hear this. But I'd rather be 
hearing the voice of God within me clearly, learning the truth about who God is than to believe a lie because I've never experienced any trauma in my life. God is good, is he not? God is hope. God is life. And we can say those words all we want, but if you've experienced trauma, you can say those from a fact because God is in you. Heads bowed, nice closed. Let's pray. Father, sometimes, in fact, probably most of the time, our words are weak if we're not hearing the voice of God. Father, I worry about those that might be in the room and they do not know Jesus Christ as their savior because their trauma is just tough. There's never any truth. And they're just suffering with no purpose and no reason and no help and no hope. And my heart breaks for those who don't get to hear you say, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. There's a reason behind your trauma. Those without God, the only reason is to draw you to him, to be saved by him. But sometimes your trauma can't can't teach you that because you're suffering so greatly. And you're not hearing the voice of God. And I think of some of those in the room, Father, today. They've suffered so much and they've suffered so greatly, but they're still here. And they're still believing and they're still sharing the truth of who you are. They're boasting of their weaknesses. They're, They're telling people that, look at what I've suffered, and yet God is still good. And God is my hope and God is my helper in my time of need. That when I am weak, that's when he is strong. Help them, Father, please. Speak to them. It might be time for them to put down the lament. Start lifting up the Lord. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just give me a little grace here. If God spoke to you today, why don't you just come? Come to this altar. Not to sit in the dirt but to celebrate the voice of God. I know what you've been through is painful and it's hurtful and it's hard. I get that. But God is speaking to you. God is speaking with you. God is speaking for you. He's trying to tell you I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Let me be your strength. Let me be your peace. Let me be your joy, Jesus says.
Well, people are praying. Let's sing with Kayla. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, the circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. His voice changes everything. I speak the name of all authority. Declaring blessings in every promise. He is faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. Let the fear inside of us flee today. Let the voice of God speak faith, not fear. Listen to his voice. He loves you. He cares for you. He, doesn't, he knows what you're going through. He knows why you're going through it. Surrender to it. And listen to that still small voice telling you that God loves you that God cares for you, that God wants to keep you, that there's purpose behind what you've suffered and it's to glorify his name. Glorify it, boast about it. Tell people, look at what I've experienced in the name of Jesus Christ. He's become more real to me than ever before. He's become more powerful to me than ever before. And I'll surrender my weakness and I'll suffer for his name if it brings glory to Him. I pray the fear inside of me will flee in Jesus' name. So come believe it and come receive it. Oh, the power of His Spirit is now forever yours so come believe it and come receive it in the mighty name of jesus all things are possible i pray for your
circumstances will change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus name I pray that a breakthrough would happen today I pray miracles over your life in Jesus name I pray for revival for restoration of faith I pray that the dead will come to life in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning. Great is your. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good. Father, as we prepare to leave this place. I pray that those who are going through trauma right now will know that they're not alone. That there are others who have been through what they've been through and maybe even worse. Have heard the voice of Jesus. Tell them about the character of God. And found hope and the fact that Jesus is in us through the Holy Spirit. That they are not alone, that the Spirit of God indwells them. But Father, if there's one here today that does not feel that, they've experienced trauma and they're still angry, and they're still broken, they're still wounded, maybe they need to lament, but maybe they need to trust the Lord to be their Savior. Let those that have questions about that come ask. We'd love to give them answers, but we want them to make the choice. We don't want to press or push. Father, I want to tell you, I couldn't imagine going through what I've been through in my life without you. And every time I go through something new, I learn something more about myself and more about you. And they come out of it just saying, let's do it again, God. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'm sure there's more of me that needs to be worked on. I'm sure there's more of you I could know. Let's boast in our infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Could you imagine a church filled with people that don't complain about their problems but boast about their promises. We love you, Father. Encourage our hearts as we leave this place to seek you. In Jesus' name, we pray. All God's people said. Amen, Amen guys. Have a great week. God bless. See you next Sunday. <laughs>